This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 305, Eliminating Absolutes in Hypnosis. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here with the episode just before New Year. So happy almost 2021 to everybody. Or if you're listening to this after the release date, happy New Year. And this is an episode I've been wanting to do for quite some time, and I'll, I'll be open. It's part of my story getting into hypnosis in terms of some of the things that I learned relatively early on, as well as eventually unlearned which is a very important part of this week's episode. It's also a bit of a factor that I've noticed in terms of the trainings that I offer. I do Work Smart Hypnosis Live, which is my live online training these days, which is a full certification course. Yet for the folks who are inside of that, typically about half of them are brand new to hypnosis, taking their first training. Meanwhile, the other half tend to be people who are often already trained or even certified in another school of thought in hypnosis. And that's part of the intention behind this week's episode, because I found this mindset of absolutes, which I'll explain exactly what I mean by that in a moment. This mindset of absolutes is often a, a really cool confidence builder in the beginning stages, but then becomes a sticking point later on. So in the shape of this week's episode, we're going to help to kind of debunk some of these mindsets that you have to do this, or you can't do that, or even the understanding that this technique is good and this technique is bad. Because let's just call this out from the beginning. Every method in terms of what we do inside of a hypnotic experience, all these methods are viable. All these methods are effective. It's only a matter then instead of how well you can build the rapport between you and the potential client, as well as if that technique is going to be appropriate for that individual. Because I'll get this first thing out of the way before I even launch into the full content here, because I got a, I got a list. <laughs> I, I keep meeting people who have been trained in this mindset that there's one way to do something. And again, the benefit of that is they have a lot of confidence starting off. But then what happens when that's not a fit? So there may be that moment where that individual technique is a fit and it's fantastic, but when it's not, crash and burn. We're going to be talking about that. So this week, it's all about debunking this idea of the absolute, helping you to build more flexibility inside of your process and helping you to not only feel more confident in the work that you do as a hypnotist, but also to easily and naturally convey that confidence to the experience with your client as well. And for more like this, of course, check out WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. That's my live and real-time online certification event. We've got one coming up very soon in January, which is a heads up that also does include lifetime access to my entire program, Hypnotic Workers, which is more than 200 hours of on-demand content, but get the real-time experience inside of WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this week's session. Here we go, episode number 305, Eliminating Absolutes in Hypnosis. All right, so let's take this moment, first of all, to begin to explain the concept of exactly what I'm talking about. What exactly is an absolute in hypnosis? Now, very often, we're going to end up inside of a protocol. And the sake of this episode is not about going after one specific school of thought, because let me get this out of the way ahead of time. There are several people out there who teach very specific protocols in terms of how they have found success working with their clients. 
of what they've done in terms of going through the process and being rather effective inside of what they do. And let me go ahead and get this out of the way ahead of time. To actually look at some of these folks who teach, these are the five steps you have to do. This is the one method that works. If you're not using this technique, you're not gonna get permanent results. That's the kind of stuff you would usually hear in the marketing message of someone who is presenting you with an absolute. And let me defend them briefly here. It turns out in terms of those individual methods, they actually teach them quite well. And I would fully endorse, go off and take the training, go off and learn from these people. Because again, in terms of the individual methods inside of their bigger system, the benefit really becomes they're quite good at those specific techniques. And it's where there's a little bit of bias that perhaps they've uh, appropriately injected inside of their own world because they've helped to convince themselves that what they're saying is the absolute truth. Do you see how I just use the word absolute on an absolute topic here? So again, by all means, learn from these people, learn their individual methods. But if I may become slightly scandalous for the first time of many in this episode, perhaps do not drink the Kool-Aid that this is the one true model. And if you do not do this, you're not going to be getting results. You're not going to be getting permanent changes. You're going to be a wimp of some sort, and it's just not going to work. And you suck at what you do. That, that's what I've heard from some of these communities. So this idea, again, this is not specific to any one group or individual person. It's anytime we hear this absolute, I want you to have a red flag go up and I want you to inject one very specific word. And no, it's not the word that usually has the acronym of BS. Instead, let's be more positive here. Let's inject the word maybe. Maybe that is that exact method that is a fit for that individual on that specific day. But then again, it might not be. I mean, this is where I do something in the shape of my business. I'm standing here right now recording at Virginia Hypnosis, the office that we opened up business back in November of 2009. So again, I've been at this for a while. And you can imagine sometimes the phone rings and someone says, I saw this other person in the area and it didn't work. Here's what they did. And it's almost as if they want me to join them and bashing the person who previously worked with them. What are you going to do differently is basically the tone of their phone call. To which, from the guy who published the all positive free talk and all positive ego strengthening and mirrors Roy Hunter when he says the first session positive trans trip, I will say, you know, that person has gone through some really outstanding training. And I've never actually been a client or a student of them, of course, but they've learned from some of the same people that I have. And, you know, the honest truth is, without having been there myself, if you had come into my office on that same day and said some of the same things you said to them, I might have ended up using the same techniques. So rather than this be a process about what's wrong with that other hypnotic practitioner, what's different now in terms of where you are? And, and do you see what we did there? We brought the conversation to now be back on track to something that's actually going to produce a result. If we spent our time inappropriately, and let's call it out, unethically talking smack, to use the terminology here that's appropriate, talking smack about someone else, it's further ratifying how impossible their change process was and how much of a jerk that other person might be. Even if unofficially, I might actually agree with that. So always stay positive. Let's just call this out there. This story is at least five years old now, though. Uh, someone called up and said, what do you think about this other hypnotist? I also talked to them and I, I said things very similar to what you've just heard me say. Well, I've never been a client or a student of theirs. Yet I know they've been trained by some really great people. That's about all that I know. And they go, oh, because they said this horrible thing about you. And they quoted it, which was not true. 
And I said, well, how do you feel about that? They go, I don't want to work with them. I want to work with you. I said, well, I've got availability on Friday. How's that? <laughs> so again, be that positive person building up, you know, inside of what we do. It's where inside of every code of ethics within every sort of, let's say, credible hypnotic organization, there is something about, you know, positive goodwill in the community. So even though technically this week is about respectfully kicking the absolutes while they're down, we're also going to help to build them up. So the popularity of this tends to come and go. It's something that I see, I've seen waves of this over the years that suddenly here's a specific, you know, five step, six step, however many step protocol. And suddenly here's a rush of new people flocking to that and going, this is the one true model. And then it begins to dissolve out as they hit some of the conflicts I'm going to talk about later. There's a little bit of a resurgence of it right now. But that being said, let me do call out a few things here, because here's a program like Virtual Gastric Band from Sheila Granger. And even she says, you should modify this for the client. Here's how. Even when I teach it, I go, here's what Sheila does with her clients. And here's the little bit of variations that I do based on the style that I do. And I mean, she even says, you're welcome to call this something else if you really want to. However, make use of our community. And this way, when someone over in Brisbane, Australia gets a story in the news, you're the one in Phoenix, Arizona, and you can now post that article and say, I offer this program too. So just to draw this out, just because you see a protocol doesn't mean that fits into this absolutism model. So the other thing I want you to be aware of is when someone is presenting something as a proprietary method, as in this is something that they have come up with. Now, let me tell you a quick story, uh, which in full defense, I eventually told this story to Don Motten, who used to be a practicing hypnotist out of the St. Louis area. And I eventually told him the story as my favorite memory of any hypnotic convention. This story is not about Don Motten. This story is about people who went to one of his workshops and perhaps, let's say it politely, from a level of ignorance, just didn't know better. We just went to a workshop and Don Motten premiered a brand new pain relief technique. It was incredible. And I, I'm listening in going, what was it? And they go, well, they, he took their hand and he told them that it was going to feel numb. And then he pinched their hand and they didn't feel it. And they're going, that's glove anesthesia. They go, no, this is something different. He like, he gave a suggestion that their hand was filling up with anesthesia, like where they'd wear a glove. And I'm like, you just use the words glove anesthesia to describe a technique called glove anesthesia. No, 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 this was something different. And I found a polite way to leave that conversation. For the comedy nerds in the audience out there, there's a sketch from the Canadian sketch group Kids in the Hall. Look it up. You can find it by searching on YouTube. We might put it in the show notes, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 305, if we can find it. If not, good luck. It's a sketch where it's two guys in a diner, and they're talking. Hey, I watched this movie last night. It was about something with Orson Welles, and it was in black and white where he was a newspaper editor. Yeah, that was Citizen Kane. No, no, no. This was something else. Enough said. <laughs> so be aware of this idea of proprietary methods, because let's just take a moment and talk about our history as hypnotists, where this idea of behavior modeling as popularized out of NLP seemed to be a new concept pretty early on, dating back to the 60s, the 70s, again, the popularization of neurolinguistic programming, when really, if you look at our history, as hypnotists, we have always been expert modelers. I mean, think about this for a moment. 
techniques like creative visualization. Close your eyes and imagine there you are out in the future results. See yourself as the outcome. That's been around forever, right? Except now we can do that in hypnosis and by doing so, we do it better. Meanwhile, too, techniques like, you know, sort of a parts therapy variation. Part of me wants this, part of me wants that. You know, parts therapy is a model, and we have several individual really good techniques of parts therapy, yet there's not one true way to go about that approach. So all of a sudden, for someone to take a technique that, I'm sorry, goes back to Jerry Kind, to Gil Boyne, to even Freud, to even beyond that, and claim it's original to them, and that you cannot uh, do this technique now because they taught it to you, unless some go as far as licensing fees, which again... We are taking all the same pool of techniques. The opening now of when I do Work Smart Hypnosis Live begins with basically breaking down how nearly every hypnotic technique comes down into the same formula. Most hypnotic methods are simply a cause followed by an effect. I've got good friends who say they've invented dozens of hypnotic inductions. They're all basically the same formula time and time again. But as soon as you understand the basic formula beneath something, now you have mastery. Now you have the ability to customize on the fly and even come up with your own specific techniques. So again, if you're kind of stuck right now thinking, I can't make this one technique work, I don't know what to do, join us. We've got the next Work Smart Hypnosis Live event coming up very soon. Check that out at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. So what are these absolutes? It's this belief system that you're being sold on the premise that this is the one way to work. This is the one technique that's invented. And whether it's implied or whether it's hinted at, no, I'm not trying to claim Don Motten said that he invented glove anesthesia. No, he didn't. But he does it quite well to give the man some defense here. I think he's great. It's instead this idea that there's now a proprietary ownership of something that to some degree is kind of now in the public domain. Let that sink in for a moment. And this history we have as practitioners of hypnosis that really, what are we doing? We are modeling techniques from other modalities that we have found to work, and by doing them in hypnosis, thank you, Dave Elman, with the bypassing of the critical faculties of the conscious mind and the acceptance of positive select, I can say that easily, positive selective thinking in the subconscious mind, that's where we do these techniques, as we like to say, more, gooder, better. Do you hear that grammar? Yeah, that's why I'm also the host of Hypnotic Language Hacks. We talk pretty. So that's the history behind this with a few thoughts mixed into it. So let's give some defense to this model. Let's get it back up after we've now kind of respectfully or disrespectfully kicked it while it's down. Uh, what's the defense of this? Well, the defense is, imagine there you are as the new student of hypnosis. And now here you are in a training. And now you are, in addition to learning the content, you are also now learning the benefit. You are hearing the outcomes that now what you are learning is the absolute best material in the course, the best material that can be learned in the entire hypnotic profession. To which, let's be fair, I kind of talk that in my classes too, in terms of understanding the how and the why. So for any of you that are out there as instructors, there's a joke that I put in my training events, which is that, yeah, let me now sell you further into the training that you're already inside of. So that's my way of kind of reiterating the importance of specific techniques, or even now I've opened up the training with the difference between cause and effect relationships or complex equivalents out of an NLP model. But then even as we get into, let's say a Dave Elman induction, a confusion induction, a progressive muscle relaxation induction, even if perhaps they look at a script from some other hypnotist that I've got permission to share with my students, 
I can say, look through there. Do you see how it's always this pattern of creating a cause and effect relationship? As you do this, it now helps you to do that. And because you've now done this, that now means you can do this more easily. Right there's the formula and this ability to transition in the process. So for the student who is brand new to hypnosis and is beginning with the training of a absolute nature, it does an amazing job to kind of boost their confidence because now I've heard some people say this and I disagree with it to some extent that, oh, the mistake is people learn from me, but then they go off and they take NLP trainings. Then they go off and they take specific trainings like parts therapy, and it just makes them even more confused. I'm sorry, no. That, what that does is it gets your students stuck in a belief system that there's like only one true way to do the work, which, no. <laughs> Instead, let's build flexibility because it's a matter of who's in front of me that day and how do I now custom design the process to still fit within the realm of what I'm effective at doing, but also fit their specific goals? We are actually, for those of you that are listening to this just on the podcast release, we actually recorded this live on Facebook inside of the Facebook group for WorkSmart Hypnosis. And I've got to read this. Earl West put up there, I get kind of tired of what I call the quote, my guru is better than your guru. I love Earl for this reason. Listen, buttercup, <laughs> Every knows, everyone knows something you don't. Everyone knows something that I don't. Stop assuming your guy or your woman is the only person in the world who can uh, figure out what successful or approaches are there. SHM, which is it? Is it SH, SMH, smash my head or smash head my? Earl, check that. Anyway, good acronym. Yeah, so this idea that, you know, my dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> so the ability, as uh, David just said here in the chat, about clients aren't static. Uh, so your techniques shouldn't be static. And hey, Sheila Granger is here uh, watching in real time right now as well. Holla back, Sheila. We just talked about you a little while ago. Hey, when this releases, go back and listen. We said some awesome things about you in terms of virtual gastric band and the flexibility of it. So again, the benefit for the student of hypnosis if they're learning in this sort of absolute approach, I will say with a disclaimer, whether it's deserved or not is where we're about to go, where now it's a matter of, it gives them a sense of confidence that now they're ready to jump in, which let's call this out. And as much as I'm the guy with hypnotic business systems, program with more than a thousand practitioners inside it around the world, hundreds of testimonials from the people inside of it, done for you marketing campaigns, step-by-step -step tutorials. My goal is always to help people who are hypnotists, whether they're already working and they want to scale up their success, or whether it's that brand new person who wants to start up with strategies that have already been proven to work. Well, the benefit is because they have that sense of confidence that they have learned the one true way of change, let's call it out in defense. Those people are going to start up even faster. However, many of them may start to crash and burn even sooner as they've got a client in front of them that that process isn't the best fit for. And in that situation, we're no longer client-centered. No, instead, we've now become practitioner-centered. Here is my tool. Let me run everybody through this cookie-cutter machine and hope it works. And this is what I hear of this. This is where we're now getting into some of the setbacks of it. This is where you start to hear that dialogue of resistant clients. This is where you start to hear that dialogue of secondary gain. And in most cases, not all, but in most cases, what's happening here, there are no resistant clients there are only inflexible practitioners 
because now that client isn't a fit for what you have been sold to believe is the one true way to work, you start to blame the client. You start to put the fault on them. You start to come up with all sorts of reasons and excuses and things that they didn't do, which becomes every reason why it was their fault and not yours, because you are infallible as the practitioner, because you've been learned to work in the best way possible. Are you seeing the flaw in this right now? Instead, let's listen to our client. Let's modify on the fly. Let's give them the skills and abilities to actually get out there and produce that change. Because again, where we learn that flexibility inside of the process, where we learned how to modify on the fly and based on what the client needs, and even along the way, recognize sometimes the client changes the issue in which they want to work on. And that's not always a negative thing. Sometimes it's a very positive thing. Here's a client of mine who came in years ago. Sessions one and two were about weight loss. Session three, she comes in and her gesture is kind of dismissive going, yeah, 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 I'm already down a couple of pounds. I have been so productive these last two weeks. We're in the process of refinancing our home, getting it ready to turn into a rental to go travel for a year. I'm also selling my business. I got to get a lot of stuff done this week. She used a better word than stuff. I got to get a lot of stuff done this week. Can we focus on hyping up that productivity even further? So, which then, generative change. We let that original system of change continue to work out even further and now begin to transition to something that because we're working on the next step of her goal, it was reinforcing all the things she had already set in motion before. So do you see how it's not always a problem when someone changes? When, no, no, no. Uh, my protocol told me that on session three, I'm supposed to be doing this. No, we can't do that. Do you see the lack of flexibility here? So setbacks of it, again, it builds inflexibility in the process. It also creates that situation where people begin to feel stuck. And it's where I brought up the fact that I've got my work smart hypnosis live training. I mention it not just for the sake of promoting it and inviting you to be there, but it's where, again, about half of the people who are in that event are often there because they're brand new to hypnosis and just want to learn. And meanwhile, the other half tend to be people who have often come from this absolute school of thought and are now getting stuck and are now having to break away from the protocol. And again, let me give some defense to this. We'll leave out which one it was. But here was a bit of an absolute approach that I was trained in at one point. And as soon as I began to, as I'll mention it later, not practice hypnosis inside of a bubble, and I started to become more flexible in the strategies and the techniques I did with my clients, about three months later, as I kind of abandoned that as a system, the open result became, all of a sudden, here's a guy in front of me and I'm going, yeah, I got to use that, that system. <laughs> Why? Because the story they came in and told was the story that matched up exactly with that multiple step protocol. So again, I'm not telling you, don't go off and learn from those people. I'm telling you, absolutely go off and learn from as many people as you possibly can. That's what's going to build that flexibility. This is where someone in the current Work Smart Hypnosis Live training was interesting because they reached out and they go, well, who did you learn from? And I go, do you have some time? Because <laughs> all of a sudden, not to drop names, it was mentioning all of a sudden, here's time with Marie Mongan, Sean Michael Andrews, Roy Hunter, Don Motten, who I've referenced, Cal Banyan, Sheila Granger, just the list kept going on and on and on of, you know, when I'm at a conference, you know, I'm often signing up for someone else's training. You know, I was at HypnoThoughts a number of years ago with a sold out packed room, but because I had the Monday open, I got to hang out with Mike Mandel and watch Mindscaping. Really cool training. Again, learn that flexibility of the process. This is how we become even better at what we do. 
So there's the defense that often we find ourselves in that situation that maybe there is a person in front of us and all of a sudden, cool, it's in your toolbox. You can go about that system. And even better, I've learned hypnotic age regression from at least a dozen or so different people. And it's where the twists and turns, you can't script that process out. Instead, it's a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure journey along the way. And I may have began with this person's style. I may have transitioned over to that person's style. And then all of a sudden, I closed to this one. All of a sudden, ooh, here's a Jason Lynette original. As again, the more we work, the more we kind of pioneer our own methods. So let's take these final moments here and begin to break down some of the examples in terms of the mindsets. And I'm going to do this again, not off of specific protocols, because that wouldn't be fair, but instead off of specific techniques. And the biggest one is one that I've just referenced here, that of hypnotic age regression, where it seems to be a polarized thing. A lot of people love it and they use it a lot. And some people hate it and they say, never, ever do that. Or maybe they modify it as Richard Nongard does. We've sparred enough over hypnotic age regression over the years. That's why we're BFFs. It's the nature that you would look at a technique and he goes, well, I use it for relapse prevention. I'm going to use the technique to find strengths and benefits of the individual and use that as a propulsion system into the outcome, which those of you, again, have gone through hypnotic workers or have gone through hypnotic, sorry, work smart, so many names that are similar, work smart hypnosis live. You know, it's where I teach a process called success trigger, which is in some way modeled after a thing I saw Roy Hunter do, which is basically three positive age regression sessions, one stacked on top of the other to build a positive anchor and use that to propel the client into the future-paced outcome. It's a whole set piece for change that I use with my public speakers, my business owners, the people who want to go from good to great, or even to overwrite a negative pattern. So we don't always have to do regression in the the negative phrasing of drag them through the mud and drag them through the problem once again. No, it doesn't always have to be that way. So there are some who say use it. There are some who say don't. I would always say regression is not just about finding the cause and it's a technique just like any other technique. This is where if you listen to your clients, which is kind of really the theme of this week's episode, if you listen to your clients, they talk in techniques. Oh, if I knew then what I know now, things would have been a whole lot easier. And isn't that basically the informed child process of hypnotic age regression? They have just given us a verbal hypnotic contract that that's going to work for them. So how dare you not give them that experience? Similar example. Oh, I just feel like part of me wants this and part of me wants that. Hmm. What to do? What to do? <laughs> oh, if I could just go inside of my mind and turn down that anxiety like a control dial. Someone said that to me two weeks ago, and I'm like, there's no technique for that. I'm sorry, I can't help you. No, we did control room. So again, look at the technique, and it's not that it's good or bad. And also, let's just call this out. The model of hypnotic regression is based upon a model of psychology that for the most part is a bit of a historical anecdote. You know, a lot of modern psychology has moved forward. This is where go pick up Richard Nongard's book, Reframing Hypnotherapy. We're, again, bringing themes of mindfulness, acceptance and commitment, the modern movement of personal change, updating the work that we do as hypnotists. Go buy that book right away. It's fantastic. Similar to that, I've also heard some people who are of the pro-regression school of thought talk about that the NLP fast phobia cure is bad. Or let me use my terminology because here in the U.S., uh, phobia is a medical term and we don't want to go near the word cure. So it's not that I've pioneered a brand new technique. When I say the fast fear release, 
It's a fast phobia cure, same technique. Just again, staying in compliance with language that we use. Then again, I don't ever say to my client, good, today we're going to do the fast fear release. Close your eyes. No, it's like, hey, let's get started. Close your eyes which is a very fancy hypnotic induction. So looking at that nature then of the fast phobia cure, I've heard some, several actually, say, oh, that only creates a band-aid of an issue. That only fixes a little bit of the problem. They had to come to my office and do a full hypnotic regression because that means you haven't cleaned up the issue. Well, well, first of all, go back and listen to any of the podcast episodes I've done with Melissa Tears, where she talks about memory reconsolidation and the fact is the nature of the neuroscience of our mind is that it's constantly generating and generalizing out. So the real science of it is always that it's not just necessarily the fact that here's the one exact event that produced the thing. It's here's the culmination of a little bit of everything that then came together and then became that outstanding result. So the fast fear released fast phobia cure, the mechanism that the technique is only as good or as bad as how you put it into use. Let me bring up a story now of one of my favorite people, James Hazelrig. Back in September 2018, oftentimes when I do the Work Smart Hypnosis Live training, I'll often bring in a guest trainer. For a couple of the recent online events, I brought in Richard Nongard. A couple of years back, I did it with Sean Michael Andrews. And then September 2018, I did one with uh, James Hazelrig. And someone in the group told a story about a local counselor who was using a specific method of systematic desensitization. Let's run you through the problem over and over. And the student in our workshop goes, oh yeah, because that doesn't work. And James swooped in beautifully. And as he does, just goes, well, you need to realize you didn't hear from the people that went to that practitioner that it did work for. <laughs> so again, avoid absolutes in your language that because someone else went somewhere else and did another thing, that that means that person is not effective. We can't be a match for everybody at all specific times. So again, it's not just the technique, it's the application of how well you put it into use. Similar to that too, we often begin as brand new hypnotists going, I don't know if I can hypnotize someone. What if they don't go into hypnosis? What if it doesn't work? Or we'd even hear from some school of thoughts that progressive muscle relaxation inductions are bad. Oh, you wouldn't want to bore the client for 45 minutes. Which again, it's fun to make generalizations now, isn't it? Close your eyes and just send a slow wave of comfort down throughout your body, throughout your shoulders, down throughout your midsection, down throughout your knees. And just imagine any stress and tension just draining out of your toes, letting your body fill with relaxation. I didn't time it, but what was that? Like an 18 second progressive muscle relaxation? So for the people you hear saying, don't do it, you're gonna bore them for 45 minutes. Well, well don't do it for 45 minutes then. <laughs> and thank you to Michael Elner, who I heard many years ago say, if all you did with a client with any kind of stress issue, sleep problems, pain, fear, if all you did was, to use some other language here, trance them out with a long-term progressive muscle relaxation, you would notice some results of that. In fact, let's bring in scholar.google.com, do a search on progressive muscle relaxation. There is incredible research to back it up as an outstanding technique. So again, the technique is only as good as we put it into use. So my whole mission of this episode, number 305, all about eliminating absolutes in hypnosis. The whole idea is to help you to build even more flexibility in your work. Or as Andrew Waldusky just said, some real gems being presented here this morning, 
Love this. Ooh, a graduate of Work Smart Hypnosis Live and online. Thanks, Andrew. So yeah, looking at that ability to build greater flexibility inside the work that we do. So if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you've heard this metaphor already, that I want you to start to think of everything that you do as a tool. Everything you do is a method. And again, it's only as good as you put it into use. So think of this for a moment, and this is a true story. We have a new puppy at home. Her name is Cheddar. She's a corgi. For anyone who's a fan of the TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, enough said. And as it is having a brand new puppy in the home, it was about time that our carpet cleaner of eight years stopped working. And we threw it away, went on Amazon, and ordered a new one. And the new carpet cleaner came in, and the medical term is that of DOA, dead on arrival. And so what did we do? We called up Amazon. They went, sorry, hey, you order a lot of stuff from us. Just throw that one away, and we'll ship you a new one. They take care of us sometimes. And sure enough, the new one came in, and that one worked and cleaned up the mess. We'd already cleaned it up previously, by the way. Just put that out there. <laughs> so think about that for a moment and realize that here was a tool that didn't work, but that was because the tool was flawed. That's not what I'm talking about here in terms of eliminating absolutes. Imagine instead the story was about a hammer. And I bought a hammer, and maybe to be dishonest, I bought the hammer, used it to fix something, and then went, hey, I don't need this hammer anymore. And I went to Home Depot the next day, hammer in one hand, receipt in the other, and walked in and go, hey, this hammer stopped working. Could I get my money back, please? They'd start to laugh at us. So the real message is, or even better, this hammer doesn't work. Uh, could I swap it out for another one? The tool is only as good as you put it into use. So again, let's close in the positive note. This was not a rant. This was not a message to say, don't learn from those people. It is to say, go in perhaps with some filters up, that the technique is only as good as we put it into use. And even going back to the benefits of rapport. This is actually part of what I did my TED Talk on. Go to RethinkingRapport.com. That'll bring you over to that presentation, which actually documents some of the studies from places like Brigham Young University and other universities around the world, where they tried to pit one technique versus another in a therapeutic result. And at the end of the study, they could not prove one method was more viable than the other. And as it often is in studies, they were asking extra questions to try to not create the bias where the person being studied could now make an assumption as to what they were tracking. At the end of the study, one consistency was always there. The quality and the quantity of the rapport in the room was directly proportionate to the quality of the change. So I encourage you to become an expert in the work that you do. I encourage you to become world-class at the skills that you present, yet recognize there's another person in front of you. Listen to that person. Get in sync with that person. Help that person. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for leaving your reviews online, as well as sharing this in your social media streams. And again, for more like this, we've got the next Work Smart Hypnosis Live and online training event coming up very soon. Head over to Work Smart Hypnosis Live. Dot com. See if there's still room available for you. And as a benefit, you get lifetime access to my Hypnotic Workers program inside of that. For those of you that are already members of Hypnotic Workers, shoot me an email because basically we have you pay the difference and you can join us for the live certification event as well. Check that out. We'll see you there. WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. 